Welcome to First Line. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and I am a PGY1 psychiatry resident physician. In this podcast, we discuss whole person health and wellness through an osteopathic lens, holistically addressing the body, mind, and spirit. We also discuss topics important to medical trainees, including pre-med students, medical students, and residents. Thanks for joining me. now providing personalized assistance specifically to medical students. I can help with editing your CV for away rotations or other opportunities. I can aid in revisions for your personal statement, and I can help edit your ERAS application. I will catch your grammar and style mistakes and also provide feedback on content revision so you can craft documents that make you more competitive. There are so many expensive services out there that charge hundreds to thousands of dollars on reviews, which is why I'm offering a much more affordable service with different price packages based on your needs. While many services out there are led by staff members who are years to decades removed from their experience as medical students, I'm uniquely positioned to help you as someone who has been through this process recently and as someone with professional writing and editing experience. Use the link in this episode description to learn more about the services I offer for individualized help. This is part two of a series on walking through the ERAS application, so make sure to go back and listen to the first part, which is episode 105, where I discuss the timeline of working on and submitting your ERAS application, as well as the cost of submitting ERAS, and I go into the first half of the application, which includes a lot of location preferences. This episode focuses most on the experiences section and signaling for programs. So, I'll first start by discussing the education sections. So, this is where you're obviously going to include your medical school and your undergrad but also anywhere that you've completed a master's degree or, or any other degree as well. When it says postgrad training, that is really talking about another residency that you've completed, so that's not going to apply to many applicants. There's a section with a 255-character limit about membership in honorary or professional societies, so this is where you want to focus on putting in your professional societies that are specific to your specialty because 255 characters is not enough to probably list all of the organizations that you have a membership in. I know it certainly wasn't for me. So I opted not to not not to include the organizations that I had limited involvement in unless it was specialty specific to psychiatry. So that's just something that you can use this section to really emphasize your commitment to a specialty. Of course, if you're dual applying, this is a little tricky because programs are going to know exactly what your first choice is. So to go around this, you could include professional societies from both specialties or you can not include any specialty specific. Then there's a section on medical school awards. Absolutely include everything that you've received in medical school. So this can be research awards. This could be for academic achievement or for volunteering, really anything. But try not to leave that section blank. 
And then there's a section for other awards and accomplishments. So because you already did your medical school awards, you can either go back a little bit further into undergrad or you can think of medical school accomplishments that you had that weren't necessarily awards. So use up that section as well. Try not to leave anything blank ever. Then the bulk of the ERAS application is probably the experiences section. So starting this year, you're actually limited to 10 experiences. So you have to really be picky. I had well over 10 experiences on my ERAS application. And I think many, many applicants will have over 10 experiences. But now that it is shift, shifting away from the quantity of experiences to the quality of experiences, you really just want to be comfortable narrowing down to your 10 strongest experiences instead of including every single experience to get to a number that is above the average in your specialty. So this is where speaking to your academic counselors and speaking to your advisors in your specialty, so whoever the chair in your department is, or you can reach out to alumni from your school who have matched into your specialty of choice, or you can opt to get professional help and pay for someone to really take a deep dive into providing advice because sometimes it's a lot of work to ask an alumni from your school to take time out of their schedule and look at something for free and provide quality advice for that. So those are really great options. Otherwise, you will probably have a good idea on what you're able to speak about because ultimately these experiences are not just for the screening process to decide who to interview, but these might be the bulk of the interview questions that you get on interview day when speaking to these programs. They're going to see that you had this leadership role. They're going to ask you more about it and you have to be able to elaborate on it. So choose things that you're also comfortable speaking about and that show that you're well-rounded. It's not a good idea to include 10 research experiences or 10 leadership experiences. You want to include a variety of experiences here. So for each experience, there's different types that you can list it as. So these can include a work experience, a research experience, a volunteer service or advocacy experience, an education or training experience, military service experience, other extracurricular activity experience, professional organization experience, or a teaching slash mentoring experience. So for work, most of you are not going to have work experience. This refers to a paid work experience. So now that you're limited to 10 experiences, I would say you really want to focus more on what you did in medical school. I think many applicants padded their application in the past to include more undergraduate experiences, but unless that undergrad experience was very influential on you and your choice in specialty or your choice in career path in general, then I would prefer to use medical school experiences. 
but I know when I was applying, I did include a few work experiences that were from undergrad. So with research experience, there is going to be a separate section of the ERAS application for publications. So that's so anything that's peer-reviewed, including book chapters, uh, poster presentations, oral presentations. So you're going to include a lot of a lot of what you did in research later in the application, but this is where you would talk about in general a research project that you did. Maybe you did a research elective, then it would be good to include it here. Again, I wouldn't include too many of these because you're including the publications later, but maybe one, maybe two would be good for this. Volunteer service and advocacy, this is really a great one that you would want at least at least one or two experiences with. So this is just anything that you were not paid for and isn't necessarily teaching or mentoring and it isn't with a professional organization, like it's not really a leadership. So this is really more of a volunteer experience and try if you can to focus on experiences that are more longitudinal so ones that you did over several years instead of just a one-day event. In the past, this is also something that a lot of applicants would pad their application with a lot of one-day events, but it's a lot better to have, instead of multiple one-day events, to have one volunteering experience that was over at least several weeks, ideally several months or years. Education or training, this is something that maybe you want to include more information about. A, maybe you had um, an MBA dual degree or you have your master's in public health or you received additional training that's specific to your specialty while you were in medical school, then you can include that here and talk more about it. Military service, that's self-explanatory professional organization so that would be more like your leadership positions like if you were president of a club if you started your own professional organization on on your med school campus if you attended um a national meeting um with a professional organization so so make sure it's something that you can talk enough about and then teaching and mentoring this is good if you were a mentor in an official capacity at your med school for underclassmen or if you were a tutor or for whatever reason you have some some teaching experience you would definitely want to include that as well then other curricular experience is really going to be it's really going to be like your hobby section so in the past there was a hobby section that you had a limited number of characters that you could include all of your hobbies now that does not exist so you really want to use that other extracurricular activities as your hobby section so so this refers to clubs hobbies so something that maybe isn't necessarily a professional organization but it's something that you enjoy doing and it's something you can talk about and it's something that shows how well-rounded you are. Of course, I wouldn't include 10 hobbies for your experiences, but definitely include two or three, I would say, to show a little bit more of who you are. 
And it's especially great if you can choose hobbies that you have some sort of accomplishment tied to. For example, when I had the hobby section, I included that I enjoyed outdoor running. And I also included that I ran a marathon during medical school. So that was something that was kind of uh, a hobby that's that shows my personality and it ties it to an accomplishment. Another one I included was that I really love musical theater and the accomplishment I tied it to was being the lead in a musical while in medical school. So try to think of little things like that, not just saying that you like to go to the movies with your friends or that you like hiking or what are some other common ones that you enjoy reading. Make sure you're tying it to something that makes you a little bit more unique instead of just giving a pretty generic hobby. So for each of these, you need a position title, which can be a little bit of a stretch for a few of these. Your start and end date, your the location, your participation frequency, the setting. There's a primary focus area that's going to ask you if it's considered basic science, clinical translational science, community involvement or outreach, customer service, healthcare administration, improving access to healthcare, medical education, music, athletics, art, promoting wellness, public health, quality improvement, and social justice advocacy or technology. So a lot of these are also a bit of a stretch to include. This section is optional, but I think it looks really good if you're able to have uh, 10 experiences with 10 different focus areas. Some programs may screen for certain focus areas, so it'll be good to have diversity of that. There's also key characteristics, so you can for this, you can include communication, critical thinking and problem solving, cultural humility and awareness, empathy and compassion, ingenuity and innovation, reliability and dependability, resilience and adaptability, self-reflection and improvement, and teamwork and leadership. So there's none to choose from there. So it would be really great if you're able to hit all of those key characteristics in your 10 experiences. But of course, it might be a little bit of a stretch for some of them. So that's where it really helps to think about the significance of each experience instead of just looking at it from a very one-dimensional view. Then you have a 1,020 character limit to talk about the context, the roles, and your responsibilities. Knowing that at the end of this section, you can select three meaningful experiences from the ones that you entered and you have an additional 300 character limit, which is not much at all. It is maybe a sentence or two to talk about how it influenced you. So in this case, you really have to show a lot of reflection on the significance of the experience. And for this, I would highly recommend talking to someone before choosing the three that you're going to choose. Make sure that they are in separate categories. You don't want to include three research experiences or three professional organization experiences for your most meaningful. You want to include a variety here. 
because some programs may only read your three meaningful experiences, and then if they're interested in you, they might read your other seven. Then there is a section on impactful experiences. So this is more about overcoming different obstacles and just different different challenges that you experience that shaped you into who you are. For this, you have 750 characters to work with, um, which is not a lot, but might help to say if you're a first-generation doctor or first-generation college graduate at all. If you came from a low-income family, if you had to work through college in order to make ends meet, if you had limited access to advisors or mentors throughout your education, um, and then if you had any anything happen while you're in medical school, like losing a family member or having to serve as a caregiver while in medical school, any of these more interpersonal and socioeconomic factors that really influenced you, if that is something that applies to you, you can absolutely include it here. But for many of you, you're not going to have anything to talk about and that's perfectly okay. You can just leave this section empty. I don't think it's going to count against you at all. I think it would would look worse if none of these applied to you and you use this box to talk about something else that is unrelated. So really only use this box if it applies to you. There's also a section that you can talk about interruption in your training. So be honest about that and you have 510 characters to provide details. So this is really great if you did take a gap year during medical school, then you can you can say what the reason was and um, provide more context for that. State licensure section, this is probably going to not apply to most applicants. Then finally, there's a section on your publications. So make sure that you're specific about if it is a if it is published versus versus not yet published. Um, if it's a book chapter, if it's a monograph for presentations, is it a poster, is it an oral presentation? And you have to make sure you can include when it was, who the presenters were, what event it was at. Um, you can even include non-peer-reviewed online app, online publications and peer-reviewed online publications. So there's uh, plenty of opportunity to show your research and your uh, scholarly activity there. Then finally, there's program signals, which are, again, new this year. They did have it last year as a supplemental application. So, for example, in psychiatry, we were able to signal five programs, and it's the same this year that we're able to signal five programs. But for each specialty, and some specialties do not have signals, but for the specialties that do have signals, it will say how many you get. And then there's going to be space that you can write in the ACGME ID and the program name for programs that you want to signal. And some specialties like anesthesiology have gold signals and silver signals, so pay attention to those too. So signals, since they're so new, 
some programs really value signals that their first batch of interviews are going to go to the applicants that signaled them, whereas other programs don't care at all and they tend to screen applicants without even looking at signals. So it helps to go to open houses and to reach out to programs and ask them what their procedure is like for signaling. Because if a program is open about not caring about signals, then it's going to be a waste of a signal to signal that program. Whereas if they're if there's two programs that you're in between signaling and one of them really cares about signaling and almost guarantees an interview for receiving a signal, then maybe that program is better to signal than the other program. So just things to keep in mind. With those factors being considered, I would include a mix of programs that you're competitive for, programs that are a good fit, and programs that are a little bit more safety. Though I would I wouldn't include too many safety signals because maybe those are programs that are going to interview you no matter what and a signal isn't going to make them like you anymore, whereas a signal might change the mind of a program that's more of a fit for you and it's a 50-50 chance of getting an interview, then it might send you over to receive that interview. But sometimes a program is going to be so much of a reach that a signal isn't going to help anything. They were never going to interview you and even with a signal, they're just not going to. And that's just, that's just how things are. <laughs> also, if you're dual applying, then you can send signals with both specialties. And programs that you apply to cannot see the signal list. So, they can only see if you signaled them or not. They can't see the list of other programs that you signaled. So that's good to keep in mind as well. So that's it for the walkthrough. Um, I hope that this was helpful. I'm going to have more episodes in the future about applying to, about applying to ERAS and interviewing um, for programs. I'm often asked about what question banks to use to study for medical school board exams, and I always recommend TrueLearn. TrueLearn helped me score competitively on Comlex Level 1 and Level 2, Shelf Exams, and the USMLE Step 1 and Step 2. And I'm currently using their question bank to study for Level 3. I love TrueLearn's practice questions because they include detailed answer explanations and comprehensive analysis of how you're doing compared to your past progress and compared to your peers. I am so happy that FirstLine has partnered with TrueLearn. For a discount on your subscription, use the link in the episode description and use code FIRSTLINE at checkout. F-I-R-S-T-L-I-N-E. One word, no spaces, no capitalization. View the show notes for additional information about this episode and access the link to FirstLine's website. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to FirstLine on your favorite podcast app to hear a new episode every Monday. Thanks for listening.